Okay, today we're in lesson five. So here's what we're going to do from here on out. We're going to start taking groups of people and start talking about, okay, where they're at, how do we approach them, and, and, and uh, how do we share the gospel with them. Okay, so we're going to start taking groups of people. Now, the first group that I'm going to talk about this week is called the nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S. You say that's not even a word. Well, it's a new word now. Uh, it is a new word, okay, because it describes a group of people in the United States, actually in the world, who aren't affiliated with any, um, any religion or any church or anything, okay? It's actually a growing group here in the United States. It is rapidly growing, okay? And uh, so it's the nuns. We're going to talk about the nuns. You probably aren't aware of this, but you probably meet a nun every day. Every day you're meeting a nun. And it's probably very evident here in our county, because remember when we talked about the statistics of our county, more than half of our county doesn't go to church. And some of you know that I'm, you know, I'm, the, I'm the treasurer for the ministerium. And so I, we have a program here in, uh, in, in Kerwinsville that I help administer, and, that, and that's helping with heating oil for those who need help with heating oil. And I'll be honest with you, most of, I would say 75% of the people that I get calls from, if I say to them, do you, do you go to church anywhere in Clearfield County? That's one of the ch- questions I'm supposed to ask. They'll say no. And then my next question is, well, do you have a church background? Because, you know, you may not be going to church now, but there might be a reason for it. And seriously, folks, 75% of them do not have a church background. And we're talking folks from 60 on down, okay, from their 20s up to their 60s. That's significant, okay? That's a significant thing. So we're going to talk about reaching uh, the nuns. We're going to talk about reaching them. So if you have your notes, let's go to the first one. First of all, about six, who are they? About 16 to 20% of Americans claim no religious affiliation. Now, you say, I thought you told us it was 16%. Well, the statistics I gave you a couple of weeks ago were based on a 2010 survey. Same group did the survey in 2012. That group has increased 4%. It's a rapidly growing group. Okay? The nuns are a rapidly growing group in the U.S. They claim no affiliation. Among the 18 to 29-year-olds, one in four would be identified as a nun. So you're talking about somebody who's leaving high school up until about their 29, they would be described as a nun. Now, that was based on the 2010. They're, at this point, they're saying it's 30%. So that group is growing, folks. One in four young people identify themselves as nothing at all. Okay? Nothing at all. Now, the nuns include, when we talk about a nun, who are the nuns? The nuns include atheists and agnostics, but that's a very small percentage. So you can't look at the nuns and say, well, they're just atheists. Or, you know, they're just agnostic. No, no, that's not true. They're, they're a part of it, but they're like a real small percent. A majority of them, a great majority of them, are simply nothing in particular. They would say, well, I'm nothing. That's why they're called the nuns, okay? 
It's not that they're not, they don't believe in God. They just don't affiliate with anybody. Okay? In fact, here's the thing I want you to see. Now, this may ruffle some of your feathers, but you're just going to have to realize this. This is a growing group. Here's the Nuns largely identify themselves politically as Democrats. In fact, it is a known fact. It's been in NPR, uh, I think USA Today, CNN, even Fox News, says that these, this group of nuns, the nothings, overwhelmingly voted for Obama. Okay? Overwhelmingly voted for Obama. Here's one of the reasons why. The nuns are socially liberal, with three-quarters of the nuns favoring same-sex marriage and legal abortion. Okay? So, here's the thing I want you to see, though. That, that's where they're at politically. Now, we're going to talk about this in a, a little bit later when we talk about how to approach them. Okay, yes. Agnostic is a little bit different than an atheist. Atheist means, okay, A is, is an alpha primitive, which means no. Theism is concept of God. Atheism is no God. Agnostic, the word gnostic means knowledge. Okay? So what they're saying is there's no knowledge. There may be a God, but I don't know who, who knows if he's there. You understand what I'm saying? He may be there. He may not be there. Nobody can understand. So it's that there's no knowledge of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it, yeah, they, they, they wouldn't say there's no God, but they would say, how would you know? Do you know what I'm saying? He may be there. He may not be there. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're not going to fully commit themselves to say uh, that they're, they're not like an atheist. Yes, Mike. That's a, soci- that's a sociological word. That's that the sociologists, okay? Uh, you, okay, let me, for instance, right now, uh, the 18 to 29-year-olds are known as millennials. No, no, they would say I'm nothing in particular. The sociologists are the ones who call them nuns. Okay, so like, for instance, Mike, you're a boomer. Okay? You're a boomer, all right? Um yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, no, and, and nuns don't get upset when you call them nuns. They understand what it's about. Well, first of all, at this point, it's early on in its use. So if you say, well, you're a nun, they might be thinking that I'm a Catholic with a habit, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? No, you know, okay, that's... It's eventually being used more and more. Here's how much it's being used. NPR did a five-day series just about a month ago on NPR in the afternoon on the nuns. Interviewing nuns, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so okay, we're going to talk about the political thing a little bit later when we talk about approach, though, okay? Here's the other thing. Despite their name, they tend to be very spiritual. Here's the thing. Even though they identify themselves as nothing in particular, they tend to be very spiritual. Okay? Tend to be very spiritual. In fact, 
They believe in God, pray, and have spiritual routines. They pray. They believe in God. Now, their concept of God may be different than your concept of God. Okay? And they have spiritual routines, whatever that may be. And they, you may think of their spiritual routine as being just superstitious. Okay? But they have a spiritual routine. In fact, here's why, what the issue is with the nuns. Nuns overwhelmingly say that they're not looking to find an organized re- religion that would be right for them. They're not looking for an organized religion because they don't believe that organized religion is where it's at. They don't believe that organized religion is where spirituality is at. Why? Because they believe that organized religion is only interested in two things, numbers and money, nickels and noses. In fact, have you ever talked to somebody about going to church and they'll say things like this? Yeah, I went to church, but all they ever talk about is money. They don't really care about me. They just want to know that I'm there to what? Fill a seat. You know, when I went with that, with that preacher there, and I heard him bragging about how many people were in his church. Yeah. So the nuns look at that, and it's, especially young people are smart, folks. Okay? Young people are smart. And they look at things and they say, you know, why do I want to do that? I don't need to do that. You know? I mean, they're not dumb. Nuns are not dumb. Nobody's dumb. So how do we, how do we, uh, how do we approach them biblically? So what I want you to do is turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're going to look at... Paul at the, in Athens at the Areopagus, and uh, we're looking at verses 16 through 34, and we're going to try and glean some lessons from him and how he approaches, because Paul is talking to a group of people who we would almost classify as nuns. Some of them are nuns. Some of them are just flat-out pagans. They worship idols, okay? But they're not, they're not steeped in the Scripture, in the Judaism, okay? So they have no concept of the God of the Bible. But I want you to see how he approaches them, okay? And it's very interesting, and I think we can learn some things from it. Look with me at verse 16. He says this, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicureans and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. Now, the Areopagus was a place where you basically went to, because debate was a very big thing in Greek culture. So they went to the Areopagus, and you would go there, and they would talk about philosophies. They would pontificate there. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they would talk about their philosophies and so forth. So they took him there, saying, 
may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For you are bringing strange things to our ears, therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you, pro- you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver. We, should, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all, commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which... He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Okay, here's some things I want you to see about Paul. Now, Paul's normal routine when he went into a town, in fact, we see it in the first part of this verse, is he would go into the synagogue and reason with the Jews who were there and the God-fearing Gentiles who had an understanding of the Scripture. But I want you to see something here. Paul's presentation was different from what he shared in the synagogue. Paul didn't start off with an assumption that they have an understanding of the Bible. Okay? You need to understand that when you talk about dealing with somebody who's a nothing, don't just assume that they have an understanding of the Bible or the God of the Bible or Jesus or anything. Okay? Their concept of Jesus may be they may have stayed up late one night and watched Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay? Who knows? All right? So, here's the thing. Paul uses the things of their life to point to God. So, notice a couple things here. He did a couple things in this passage I thought was interesting. He pointed out that they had an altar to an unknown God. Now, let me tell you the story about the altar to the unknown God. Oh, probably about 100 or 200 years before this time, Athens was struck with a plague. There was a disease that was going around, probably the bubonic plague maybe, that was killing lots and lots of people. So, it was decided, the religious leaders decided that They needed to appease the gods, but they didn't know which god they had ticked off. 
Okay? So what they decided to do was to let loose pigs, because they're Greeks, they, they sacrifice pigs, let loose pigs throughout the city, and whichever, ever, whichever temple the pigs went into, they would sacrifice those pigs there, because that was obviously the god who was angry and they had the plague going on. Well, of course, they would release the pigs, lots of pigs, throughout this city, and some of the pigs went into the temples and they sacrificed them there. But some of the pigs, you know what pigs are like. They're just not going to head to a temple. They're just, some of them are just hanging out in a street corner somewhere or something. And, and history says that what they ended up doing was, is they said, oh, this must be a god here that we don't know anything about. So they sacrificed the pig right there on the corner. Because they're, because they're, into the, you know, they're religious, they then made an altar there to the what? Unknown God. And so there were these altars throughout Athens to the unknown God. And, you know, and you figure at that point, there must have been a pig killed here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because some of them did go into temples. Some of them, I mean, if they went in my house, we'd kill it and eat it. But, I mean, uh, you know, so the point is, is he's using something that they understand to point to them. So he uses that. Here's another thing. Notice what else he says. Look at the last, look at, look at, look at 17 there. He says, even your poets say this. So he's pointing to their own what? Poetry. Okay? Here, you know what? Used to be, can I be honest with you? Used to be you'd hear in church all the time, don't listen to rock music. I mean, if you heard that. Don't listen to country music. You know? I, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. Everybody else is. And everybody has their favorite what? Song. So if you want to engage with somebody about music, if you want to engage with them where they're at and what's influencing their life, can I be honest with you? You're not going to talk to them about Chris Tomlin or Matt Redman. Do you know what I'm saying? Or Steve Green. Some old old dudes would under you know, or Wayne Watson. He's not in music anymore, okay? Or Keith Green. Because they're not listening to that. I mean you can listen to it. But it's okay. I listen to I listen to music widely. Okay? I listen to music widely, and there's a reason why, because that's where people are at. If you're gonna to talk to a kid, I can almost guarantee you they're not gonna know anything about him. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody listens to hymns. They're listening to Froggy. Okay? They're listening to WDBE if they can get it from Pittsburgh. You know, they're listening to something. All right? The, the, the point is, they use the things from their life, this is what Paul's doing, to point to who? To God. It's a discussion. You know, I remember when I was in Canada pastoring, we used to have a men's breakfast there. That was something that worked really well there. Canadians are very social people, more social than you guys. Okay, they just love getting together for something. So we had this men breakfast, and the whole purpose of the men breakfast was it was just simply building relationships. We didn't preach, we didn't have a sharing time. We just got together and ate eggs and bacon, okay, and pancakes, Canadian back bacon too. Yes, okay, female bacon, okay, and we would talk about sports, about boxing. You know what I'm saying? They talk about hockey. You know, they talk about politics or whatever. And I remember a guy was at the table. And he was a corporal, because our, our church was outside of a military base there in Ontario. 
And he was a corporal in the Air Force. And he made this crazy statement. He says, I just think that mankind's going to get better, just like, just like Star Trek. And he was a Trekkie, okay? And I said, I disagree with you. I think we're going to get worse. And he said, oh, you're going to read my Bible, you know, because he knew it was a pastor. I said, no, I'm not going to talk about the Bible. I'm just going to point out to you from history. What do you mean? I said, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Why don't we just look to maybe 60 years ago? I said, let's look to Germany. At the turn of the 20th century, Germany was at the height of enlightenment. They were considered to have been reached enlightenment. That, that was where everyone was looking, even theologians were looking to to their understanding and the height and the epitome of their intellect and so forth, Germany. Okay? Uh, but I said, we know the history of Germany, don't we? Those intelligent people killed six million Jews. Devastated all of Europe with war. So, intelligence doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to get better. In fact, they use their intelligence to devise cruel ways to destroy people. It means that they're getting worse. That same corporal then later told a deacon of mine who was a corporal with him, I thought he was going to point the Bible out to me. But he was open now to maybe talk about things later because, what, we use something from their life. I mean, he's watching Star Trek, okay? Maybe you like watching Star Trek too, okay? Spock, live long and prosper, okay? But, I mean, the reality is... You've got to be aware of how to engage people in a conversation. Okay, so use the things of their life to point people to God. Now, here, here's the, which brings in the next point here. He was aware of their culture. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Christians live in a subculture. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have our own lingo. We have our own artists. We have our own, own authors. Lori was reading a book the other day. It was a nonfiction book. I said, how did it end? And uh, she said, well, everybody got saved. I said, oh, well, praise the Lord, sarcastically. Because that's not real life, is it? But that's our literature. You know what I'm saying? That's our literature. You need to have an awareness of culture. You have a need to have an awareness of what's going on. You know? You need to have an awareness. Here's what Paul did. If you read this passage, I'm gonna, I want you to notice something that Paul's doing when he's talking to these philosophers and Greek people. He did not belittle them. You know, I want to, here, here, the funniest thing that ever happened to me is I was an engineering student at the University of South Carolina, and I worked a, I had a work study. Grant. So that means I worked at the university, and I worked as a lab te technician for a cardiologist at the School of Medicine there at the University of South Carolina. He, he did experimentation for the American Heart Association. Uh, his, his, what he was studying at the time uh, was he was studying the effects of radiation on the heart, and so he used live animals and so forth. And, and it turned out that it was Thanksgiving time, so they had a party there in their Department of Philosophy there. At the, at the VA hospital there at the School of Medicine. And we're talking, and religion comes up. So here's this guy. I mean, he's got a Ph.D. and M.D. He is teaching doctors, the future doctors of the world. And he says, he just pipes up. I couldn't believe this. He says, 
Well, I believe that when you die, you get bleamed to the other part of the universe. And then you have to walk back. And the reason why people have not gotten here yet is because it's a long walk. I mean, you're serious. I chuckled inside, but I didn't say to him, you're smart, but you're an idiot. I mean, he didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't belittle him. You know what I'm saying? You're going to hear people say stuff to you. You maybe already have about what they believe about God, about what they believe about the afterlife. about what It is not your place to belittle them. You understand? The only reason why you have an understanding is because the Holy Spirit gave you an understanding. You understand? Because before the Holy Spirit, you didn't understand. Okay? Don't belittle people. Don't belittle people if they're telling you if they're another religion or anything. I mean, how are you going to reach them? Paul did not belittle them. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't say, you know what, you guys are nothing but ignorant. You're worshiping these idols. What's the matter with you? He didn't do that. No, he, he tried to point them to God. Here's what Paul did. This is where we, he tried to move them in their understanding of God. He tried to move them in their understanding of God. Because, again, remember I said it's a process. It's not, people are at different places in the process of understanding who Jesus is and coming to an understanding of who he is. They're at different places. Your task is you're simply a messenger. You're someone to talk to them. You're trying to convince them, but you've got to move them in their understanding because it's, it, you've got to be there to speak to them, to talk to them. Sort of like that conversation with me talking to that corporal who thinks everything's going to get better, like Star Trek. But, but think about that for a moment. Does everything get better like Star Trek? It seems like every episode I watch of Star Trek, they've got a problem going on, conflict. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Or the Klingons. You know? All right, so here's the thing. Here's what happens. Here's the response. We can grab this. The response was threefold to Paul's working with these folks. Notice what it was. Some questioned, which that's good. We want to hear some more about it. We'll talk to you later about it. They questioned. You need to grasp that. Remember what I said. Our problem is, is we're always trying to push for a decision. People aren't ready to make decisions. They may want to make, make a decision on their own. And so some people are going to say, you know what, that's interesting. I'll think about that. I'll talk to you later about that. And what you need to say, okay, Lord, give me another opportunity later on. Okay? Many rejected. What we see in the passages is a lot of them just laughed and said, boy, he is a nut. What kind of a crazy, cockamamie story is that? Folks, you need to grasp that many are going to reject. Most are going to reject. Okay? But here's the thing. Few believed. Few accepted. And that's what the Scripture tells us. Few will accept. That's why we're doing it. So here's some things to consider. Okay. It's you in Clearfield, Kerwinsville, Clearfield County. You've got friends. You've got people. And they are nuns. How do I even begin to approach the subject with them, okay? Here's the first thing I would say. Stay away from political issues. 
Remember what I said about nuns. Nuns overwhelmingly tend to be socially liberal. They tend to uh, accept gay marriage. Uh, they tend to accept abortion. They probably tend to accept some other things, uh, which probably maybe goes against the great. Somewhere in there you may agree with something they say. Somewhere in there you probably don't agree with them. Okay? You need to not worry about it. That's not the issue. You want to talk to them about Jesus. You want them to come to know Christ. You're not there to change their political party. That's not going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not going to happen. You don't need to be Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck with them. Okay? You don't need to be those guys with them. You just need to drop it. I mean, I've learned that. Okay? I had to learn it in Canada. What do you mean in Canada? Well, I go to a church in Canada, and in Canada they don't have two parties. In Canada they have six. Six political Talk about trying to figure that one out, okay? Six political parties, and I'm in a church, and all six are represented. So guess what you don't talk about in church? You know what I'm saying? You don't talk about politics at church. Well, I learned that real quick. Which, you know what? I've already told you. That makes sense because church, that's not where you talk about politics. So if you're concerned about people's spiritual lives, what's more important? How they vote? Whether or not they agree with you on this issue or that issue? I mean, it's only going to lead to an argument. Stay away from the political issue with them. Because, hey, you know who, who thinks like you. Talk about politics with them. You know? Sit down at McDonald's and talk about it with them. For the person that you're concerned about their spiritual condition about, if they're a diff different place politically, why would you go there? You understand what I'm saying? Because politics, let's be honest, only inflames people, does it not? It only inflames them. Here's what I want you to see. Nuns are looking for true spirituality. They're not affiliated. They're nothing in particular. I already told you they're spiritual. They're looking for true spirituality. The thing is, is here's the thing. They believe you can't find it in organized religion. So they're looking for true spirituality, but they believe that they can't find it in organized religion. So here's the next approach. Here's some things to consider. You need to focus on the person of Jesus Christ, not church. Here's our tendency. If I'm, I'm concerned for somebody and I want them to come to know Jesus, here's what the typical way that we approach things. Hey, Jim, I, I know you're not going anywhere in particular, but hey, you need to come to church with me. I talk to Jim about church. I don't talk to him about the person of Jesus. Now, if, if Jim's a nun, and he doesn't believe that organized religion or church is going to point him to true spirituality, he's going to take my suggestion about going to church... And chuck it. He, he might be nice. Oh, yeah, maybe sometime. But in the back of his mind, he's thinking, that's a waste of time. 
you see what I'm saying? Our tendency is, for us is we want to share with people about going to church. Well, eventually you might tell them to go to church, but you want to start off with the person of who? Jesus. That's really the issue. Okay? In fact, when we talk about with some of these other groups here, the, the issue isn't church. Let's get away from talking about your church or their church, and let's talk about the person of Jesus Christ. Because that's what the gospel is, right? We want them to come to an understanding of who Jesus is. See, they're searching for true spirituality. They just don't believe they can find it in church. So if they don't believe they can find it in church, I'm not going to talk to them about church. Okay? Because you can find true spirituality with not being in church, right? Everybody understand that? Okay? So I'm not going to talk to them about that. What am I going to talk to them about? Here's the next thing. You need to point to the reality of your faith. Okay, so, whoo, wait a minute, what does that mean? Remember, the nuns are looking for true spirituality. Simply just talking abstract faith and belief to them means nothing if your life doesn't show up. You understand what I'm saying? Because they're going to label you quickly, oh, yeah, it's really nice you believe that, but you sure don't live it. You're just a hypocrite. You understand what I'm saying? You need to show them the reality of your faith. How real is Jesus to you? Okay, so that really does back up. So that really puts it on you, doesn't it? What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? Because before you can start talking about sharing with somebody, how real is Jesus to you? Are you interacting with Jesus on a daily basis or with the Holy Spirit? All right? Here's the other point. You need to enter into their life and their thoughts. You need to find out what makes them tick. Why do they think that? There's a, 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 a good segment of the nuns are called the de-churched. They may be nothing in particular now, but at one time they went to church. Maybe as a child or something. That's a good discussion. So, hey... Do you have a church background? Why did you leave? Oh, man, you won't believe it. This is what I saw. And you know what? You could say things to them like, well, man, I am sorry that that was your experience. That is not what Jesus intended. So I'm bringing it back to who? Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what Jesus intended. See, I've got to know where they're at. If I'm going to move them along the line in that process of understanding, I've got to understand what's going on in their life, why they're thinking the way they're thinking, and maybe try to answer that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You may not, that's not going to be true all the time. You're not going to be able to answer everything, but you at least have a better understanding of where they're at. Here's another reason why you need to do that. When I have an understanding of where you're at, I care for you more. You understand what I'm saying? I begin to care for you more. If I have an understanding of where you're at, I know what makes you tick. I know why you respond the way that you respond. I'm becoming more intimate with you, so hopefully there's more of a, of a caring for you. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Those who are angry have a pain in their past. It may be that when you're talking to one of these nuns, he may be an atheist. And he's just angry. 
You bring up church, he flies off the handle. Rabbi Zacharias says this. Typically with an atheist, when you look at the anger, there's an unanswered prayer. So when you have somebody who's angry, and they're nothing at all, and they're just mad, there's a pain in their past. There's a hurt. And here's what you need to do. You need to discover the source of the pain and unbelief. Maybe what you need to do is back off from wanting to talk to them about Jesus and stuff and maybe find out why it is that they're angry. Did you understand what I'm saying? You may want to back off and find out why they're angry. Now, you may not be able to answer why they're angry, but at least you can have an understanding. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes when you talk about angry people, talking sense to them doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get through to them. Because they're thinking with their what? Emotions. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're thinking with their emotions. But if you have somebody who's adamant and angry, Find out, hey, you know what? I noticed that as soon as that word comes up, you just fly off the handle. Bro, what's going on? Oh, nothing. No, no, there's something serious. I mean, normally you're just like, okay, but as soon as, as soon as you bring up the word Jesus, wow. I mean, you don't act that way when we bring up the Cowboys or somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Bruce just did. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, know do you know do you know what I'm saying? You, Find out, discover what the hurt is. Chances are they were hurt by something in church or, or by something that they felt that God should have done and nobody was there to guide them through it. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And they were left with their raw emotions and their feelings. So that's something to consider. 